0: You ready? I'm rolling. Okay, I'm not sure if I am, but we'll give it a whirl. <laughs> Welcome, everybody! Thank you for listening and subscribing to Behind the Screen. Uh, I am your host, JT Kane. I'm here with my good friend Matt Corey, uh, and we're here to talk about auditions, um, as you all know, specifically orchestral auditions. We, which you know, take place behind a screen, hence our name, Behind the Screen. And so we hope that our discussions. Our guests uh, will be a resource and an inspiration for anyone who is currently taking auditions or just really interested in the audition process.
1: And can we welcome back the uh, New World Symphony Fellows? Some welcome some back to the New World Listen. Symphony
0: Fellows. Yeah, this is honestly the, it, we just started back first week back. It's been it's been great. We had our first concert last night. For those of you listening, this was weeks ago.
1: Oh wow! I didn't I didn't realize you already had a concert. That's great. We did.
0: Yeah, we live streamed a concert last night.
1: It was cool. really good. So was there anyone outdoors watching on the, the wall or no?
0: No, we didn't do it on the wall. We just did it um, through our platform and for subscribers. Awesome. Yeah. Good concert. Good show. It was uh, Brahms, um, Serenade number one, uh, Coleridge Taylor, Nanette, and uh, um, William Grant Still, uh, Mother and Child. Um, just a couple of moments of that. Lamoth piano piece. It was, it was excellent. I think it's on Nws.edu
1: so that's kind of got to be fun then a little bit for the fellows because they're going to be playing rep that they wouldn't normally get to play with their colleagues
0: for sure yeah yeah no it's been yeah
1: every week we're going to do a different concert so we
0: do pre-recorded and live and and stream it so fantastic uh
1: this podcast is brought to you by insight for the blind a very special recording studio based in fort lauderdale florida where over 100 volunteers produce talking books and magazines for the blind and physically handicapped so that all may read. See for yourself at insightfortheblind.org. A great organization. And we appreciate them being
0: involved. And we appreciate you, Matt, for, for allowing that to happen. Oh, my. Thank you.
1: Yeah, we're happy to do it. It's great.
0: <laughs> well, I, I am um, very excited to welcome our, our guest uh, this this week. Uh, a, an old friend of, of mine that I met in Aspen. Welcome, Brinton Smith. Welcome, Brinton
2: Hi, JT. It's great to be here.
0: Man, it is really great that um, you, you are here. You are the principal cellist of the Houston Symphony. And like I said, I, I've known you. God, we, we met like 10 years ago or something like that in Aspen. Yeah, yeah. It's, got,
2: it's got to be at least a decade at this point.
0: So I can finally now get to talk to you about everything I've always wanted to ask you, <laughs> which is so much. So hopefully we have some time. But so we, um, we did one season of this already. Um, behind the screen already, and we talked to a lot of people that um, about auditions, obviously. But I was thinking that this season it would be really great to talk to those people that are on the other side of the screen more so than because l- last season we talked to people that were kind of we had a lot of guests that were kind of new at at just winning their jobs. So that's why I thought about you because I'm going to get to it uh, soon. But I want you know you po- you post a lot of stuff on Facebook about auditions, and you have a lot of of um, really great insights to auditions that I think people should know and should hear more. So just first and foremost, so when when Houston Symphony does their auditions, do you guys keep your screen up the the whole time?
2: We're screened until the final round. Mm -hmm. And if there is a member of the orchestra in the final round, then we are screened until what they call the super final round. Yeah. You know how they've kind of added this like right. fourth super final. I mean, because chamber music is required by contract to be a part of our audition process. There yeah. has to be, by the time we get to chamber music, the screen has to be down.
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah. That but would
2: be... before that we're screened all the way. And it's, yeah. it's a very interesting experience because you listen differently when the screen is up. I've found. Um, how so? You're, you like your mental focus is actually slightly different. That's why when I'm having a student prepare, when you watch someone play, there's something slightly different that happens in the mind than when you're just staring at a blank wall. So that's why when I'm listening to students prepare for auditions, I'll often like either cover my eyes or stare off at a wall so I can really focus. It's a slight, just a slightly different kind of focus. There's something a little bit empathetic when you're actually watching the person play There's something a little empathetic in the way you listen versus the way you listen when you're staring at a blank wall. And I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't lived it. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, do you you prefer being behind a screen versus seeing them? Or do you actually like to... I mean, if you're listening to, like, a super finalist that you actually have to... uh, Or you have to have a super final round, do you prefer prefer it being behind a screen so there's nothing that's going to influence you other than their sound and their music making?
2: You know... At that point, you've kind of weeded, I mean, by the time you get to the super finals, you have, everybody can play. Yeah, And then you are looking really for, ah, you're looking for things of fit. For me, I like to at some point know who it is that I'm hiring, you know, as a person, to watch them as a player, you know, to see, I mean, because if they have some, you know some something if they were doing something bizarre that would be a problem in the orchestra you know physically or something so i i feel like it's been if we've had a process that's been fair and mm-hmm. completely blind up until that point before we actually pull the trigger i like to know who i'm seeing however I mean, my stand partner uh, feels the opposite way he would rather not know anything all the way and of course you can get into trouble with music directors who just come in in the final round, and they tend to be very visually oriented. Yeah. Um. So they, you know, there's sometimes if they see someone who looks very expressive, they may think that therefore that person is very musical, even yeah. if it doesn't line up exactly with what you would see behind the screen.
0: So that's that's actually interesting because we talk a lot about you know being this with the screen up. So I, I you know, New World Symphony um we we collaborate with with the sphinx organization and we do this the national alliance for audition support and we have our audition intensives and one of the big conversation is obviously keeping the screen up the whole time to to really take away any kind of implicit bias but that's color bias right but what right. you're referring to is actually a bias based on somebody moving a little bit more and they you know there's a bias like oh well they they uh, they're more musical than the person that doesn't move as much as as that person so that's an interesting uh, concept too i never even thought
2: about that yeah i mean there 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 are a lot of things in the physicality of how someone looks and appears and i think you know as we the people who've been on the committee the entire time are kind of they under they they know this player better. You know, yeah. if we've heard someone in four rounds, we yeah. have a better understanding. But you know, especially and this is the case, and I'm not you know I'm not trying to throw music directors under the bus. I <laughs> go mean, ahead, go ahead. We, we, <laughs> that that's a whole other conversation, right? <laughs> but I mean, I find it's true. They they see things from a different angle. Yeah, they yeah. they intrinsically tend to, and a lot of their relationship between the players is visual not oral because that's you know they're they're never going to hear someone sitting in the middle of the second violins they're almost never going to have the chance to actually hear them so they relate to players a lot in the visual aspect and every time there's a new music director there's a little bit of training of the music director that has to happen (laughs) by the committees
0: yeah for sure so do you do you guys um do you guys do trial weeks there do you have you is that part of the audition, or could it be part of the audition process? We
2: have, and uh, we started doing it more. I mean, of course, it's it's kind of default by with principal positions because it's so important there. You, I mean, you you have to you have to know how they play and how they fit in during the week. But it's been great to do. Um, we've done it for some section positions too, particularly when we have two very different people who react in different ways, and you want to get a you want to get a sense of them. It's a little bit heartbreaking in the sense that you get to know someone even better and one of them you're going to have to send home and you never, oh, you, by that point, you almost, you want to keep both of them. Yeah, sure. You know, it's like bringing two dogs home from the pound and like, you know, which which one one are you going to send back? It's awful. It's awful personally, but it's really good from the orchestra standpoint because you can Answer a lot of questions, you know. We we make a lot of theoreticals when we're sitting there, like, oh, I think this person would do such and such in the section, and I think this person would blah 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 Mm. in the section. It's so much better to actually know. Mm. Usually, the only drawback to doing it is that it's expensive. You know, you have to you Mm -hmm. have to pay. Um, You want them. It's got to be a music director week, so it can take time. You've got to fly people in. You've got to you've got to spend the time and the money. But I think it's becoming more and more the standard Mm -hmm. because it does reveal another side of things that you're only guessing at in a committee.
0: When you're listening to an audition, is there do you do you listen differently when it's a, a section audition versus a principal audition? To an extent.
2: I mean, It's not like, oh, if it's a principal audition, well, then we don't need to care about rhythm and intonation, you know. (laughs) But there's, I think there's a standard of a little bit more that I would want from a principal, and it kind of depends on what principal, but like if you're talking like a wind or a brass principal, you need, in my opinion at least, you need someone who's also got a real sense of personality and character, who's going to add something to the orchestra beyond just great playing, that they're going yeah. to add um, a strong princip- a personality. I mean, I think you want that also for a string principle, but of course, you know, it's we have to do that delicate dance of being an individual and then disappearing into the collective and coming, coming back and forth, being able to kind of pop up for a moment and then kind of submerge back into the whole overall texture but Mm. i mean there's a there's a level of virtuosity and personality that i would expect i mean honestly i want that in everybody that i'm hiring for my section but i think the standards for that end might be a little bit higher in a person in a principal position yeah but it, it you know i mean the level is so high now that it's i mean right it's not really like oh, if I held a section audition, the level would be here, and if I held a principal audition, the level would be there. It's not really the case. Um, yeah, because
0: you, you, anyone can. I mean, I, I think when you get to your point in your career where you're taking these auditions and you're getting to the final... you could be a principal player. You could be, you know, even if you're taking a section audition, it just kind of, you know, whatever. If the job, it's whatever the job asks for, right? That you're yeah. taking the audition for. But you, there, I think there's definitely anyone you would hope that anyone in your section could actually you know come in and sit where where you're sitting in, in the principal spot that's the kind of level that you you want to have
2: yeah and that's actually i mean that's what we've had in this in the section in Houston i mean we've been hiring people on the level that it's like you know i mean yeah. i i walk out of every audition at the end of a couple of days thinking my god i feel lucky to have a job the level out (laughs) well
0: that's what i was going to ask you so like when you when you're hearing these people does that motivate you to go home and be like i need to practice some more
2: (laughs) it definitely engenders a sense of like this is really hard i mean i think and i think there's a friend of mine told me like an old an old joke of one of the major orchestras where you know the people in the committees would say the the joke was you know the the older I get, the better I used to be <laughs> this kind of right. attitude of like you it's very easy to kind of sit on high and say, well you know that that sixteenth don't rush there when you actually have to do this yourself, when you actually have to play this way um or when you've been through that process and you realize how hard it is not just to do it once, but to do it consistently and to do it under the pressure of that moment. Yeah. I think you realize what a difficult, difficult draining. And I mean, it's kind of, it's the worst process except for all the others in a way. Yeah. I mean, it's the most fair, but it's, it's such a difficult process to go through.
0: Yeah. It's, um, I remember someone once telling me that was, they were in the army and there's, they said that, uh, you know their captain or drill sergeant or whatever it was would never ask someone to do something that they couldn't also do. So I think it's kind of the same. And it, it it's it's obviously different. You know, drop and give me twenty is is different than you know play play the first opening of Don Juan. But it's the same mentality. Like if you if you're asking someone to to play at a level that um that you're gonna judge them, you you need to also be at that level,
2: right? Yeah, I want to have at least. <laughs> I mean, I want to have the same standards for myself that I'm having for the for the yeah candidates coming in. I mean, (laughs) whether, whether, whether they or I meet those standards every time is another question, but we're all, we're all trying for the same thing. And that's why I think having had experience going through the process is on the, you know, auditioning is so important for being a good committee member.
0: Matt, you wanted to say something.
1: I have a question as it relates to this level, the high level that we're talking about in auditions these days. And how that relates to your job as a professor, you know, you teach at, at, rice. So you're in a really great spot in terms of having a great batch of students each year, I'm guessing. Yeah. It's one of the top schools in the country, but there still are, you know, the Juilliards and the Eastman's and Curtises of the world. So every year you're graduating a bunch of awesome cellists into the, the world of symphonic music. Is there a job for everyone? And do you often think about, as you're evaluating your students, do you have to have difficult conversations with them at any point? Or do you feel like that's not your job as their professor to kind of say, look, you're probably not cut out for Chicago Symphony Principal Cellist or something like that?
2: It's, you know, it's an interesting question. It usually at Rice, by the time we're getting the people... Who are accepted at Rice? Um, it's you know it's the same pool of people that are Colburn, Curtis, Juilliard, NEC. Um, so those are all people where we believe there's potential. I mean that it's usually if we don't believe there there is the potential to be working in music then they're probably not gonna get into rice to begin with. So in a sense that makes it easy, but you have a really good point in the bigger picture because how do you draw this line between you know, being idealistic and pursuing your dream and also being kind of realistic? Um, it's actually for, it was actually, I think it was for some kind of New World Press uh, thing that I did, but I was sat down and find a, did some back of the envelope statistics mm. of, you know, okay, we have like on an average year, there's like how many positions are there advertised in the international musician right. that pay say a living wage, like say 35,000 or up, um, you know, d- depending, but you know, kind of like full-time-ish symphony orchestras, I mean you probably average on average year about 10. Now how many cellists are the top 10, 11, 12 conservatories graduating each year? Yep. Um you start to do those odds. Um you start to figure that out, and of course the fact that, you know, the people who don't get a job in their first year stay in the pool. Exactly. Um and they keep trying. It is more difficult, I think, than the prospects of coming out of a Division One school playing basketball and getting yep. drafted in the NBA.
1: 100%. I totally agree.
2: You're talking about about 1 in 100, maybe 2 in 100. It is staggeringly tough odds. And that is something that I think people really need to understand and doesn't You know, so many of these people grew up being, okay, they're the best in their town, and then they get off to a big conservatory, and they're one of the best in their conservatory, and they don't understand how incredibly difficult this process is. Now, that said, if you don't give yourself a chance to grow, I mean, look, I got lucky, uh, to be perfectly honest, I got lucky to be in the right place at the right time, to win an audition when I was just finishing school as principal in San Diego. It was the right combination of like the right audition where I had just come from playing a concerto, so I could at least I was well set up on the concerto and and they were willing to overlook my real ignorance on the eight on the excerpts <laughs> and that kind of and kind of give me a chance because they'd had three auditions to fill the fill the job and they were like, they were ready to roll the dice on someone. Yeah. But I also kind of had a plan in the back of my head like okay, you know, I'll do a couple of years of auditions out of school. I stayed in school as long as I could because I wanted to. Be, but I had a plan, you know, at some point I'm going to sit down and take the LSATs probably or mm. go in another direction.
0: Yeah, cuz you you've had you've had a pretty pretty interesting um childhood and growing up. Um so you you started college when you you were in Arizona State when you were ten as a mathematician. Well, or is,
2: explain they, this a little bit to me. <laughs> I wish I could. Um, <laughs> I, I was a weird kid for sure, um, but just you know, weird kids, weird adults. But yeah, it, so my parents were trying to figure out what to do with my education, and I wanted to learn German because my sister and my dad were speaking German. And I was kind of a little bit advanced ahead of the math that they were doing in school, and so it the simplest solution ended up being for me to just take a couple of university courses in uh-huh. German and math. Um, when, and I did start that when I was ten, but there, you know, of course, there are courses you could learn when you were ten. I mean, the language is, you know, you can well, do with yeah. your young mathematics. Better, you better do to do, do it good. when you're young. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um. So, and then when I was about fourteen, it came to a, like a crisis point of Do I want to go to high school or do I want to just drop out and go to college? and it kind of comes back to what we're talking about because my parents uh, my mom's a musician, and they had grown up around musicians they all their friends are musicians, so they knew how difficult this business was, and they wanted me to have a degree in something else
0: mm-hmm.
2: so they the kind of deal was you know get a bachelor's in mathematics in yeah. physics and something that's where you could go away and be employable and then you can go do music if you want after that. So I ended, so I dropped out of high school and I did my bachelor's in mathematics um, and I graduated when I was 17. Yeah. And then I kind of, then it was kind of more more of a music focus, um, you know, it doesn't, doesn't help me count through seven measures of rest. I still get lost <laughs> if i pay not paying attention. But the best thing about that was the feeling of knowing that I could walk away. Yeah. You know, yeah. knowing that I was there by choice, knowing that I am studying music and I'm doing it because I love it and I'm interested in this, but I know I could do something else if I wanted to. And that's really empowering in a way.
0: Sure. You said right out of school you won San Diego. How many auditions have you have you taken over your since, you know, since Houston?
2: Oh, I think it's got to be at least 40 Um, Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, because I took, San Diego went bankrupt in my second year there, so it was kind of a mixed blessing, and then I was thrown back into the audition scene without being, without really understanding what it takes to win an audition, without understanding the kind of level of detail work, and I kind of thought I was just going to show up and impress people with a Dvorak concerto and get jobs, and that was not the way the world was working so um and then i went to i after a bunch of auditions i went to another principal position in fort worth and Mm. from there took a bunch of auditions over the years kind of gradually moving into different things um and then finally i mean honestly it took like eight years of learning and practice to get to the point where i could really Put together a solid section audition, um, with, you know, kind of bulletproof section audition, um, yeah. and I got into New York Phil and spent about three years there. But also realized that wasn't the direction I really wanted to go in my career. Uh-huh. So I started tracking principal jobs in warm weather and, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, wat- watching watching that. But it's a really educational process, actually, and yeah. I mean, one of, the things, one of the things I tell my students now is, I mean, I hate the audition process of actually mm-hmm. showing up on the day and playing for people and having someone pass a yay or nay judgment on your playing that's in some ways you know, semi-arbitrary. That's an awful process. But I've actually learned so much about playing my instrument and about music from the process of preparation of the excerpts. Mm-hmm. When you really start to get into it, I actually began to love the preparation process.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah. It's fascinating to me like that, you know, you're in New York, Phil, you know, huge organization, you know, people that are in college are probably that's one of the places that they're like, I want to be in New York, Phil. And you you thought, you know, you realize that this isn't for me, you know, and I think it's important for a lot of people that are out there, like, you know, don't, you know, the grass is not always greener on the other side, you know, so it's, it's, it is, it is interesting, because, you know, I, when I was growing up, you know, in, one, in playing viola, and I was like, well, I'm going to be in the Chicago Symphony. That's, that was my goal, right? But didn't work out. Okay, but, but still, it's, it, it's, it's good that to, to hear that, you know, New York Phil, you got there, and it was like, well, this isn't all it's cut out to be. It's okay to, to, not, be, to not be in this place, because maybe it's not, it's not the, the best place
2: for you. You have to determine that. There's a whole other part of it. I mean, uh, we're so focused on winning the job. Uh, You know, on getting there. But the second part is what is your life after you get there? Mm. What is your musical life? And actually like for instance in New York, it's a very difficult place to put together a musical life because all the musicians in the world are there. So if you wanna have concerts outside of the orchestra, if you wanna have teaching outside of the orchestra, if you wanna kind of supplement your life in the way that I think is so important for anybody in an orchestra to do, it's, it's a very difficult place to do that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I used to joke with my wife. Um, I said, you know, I go to work every day in Avery Fisher, and I see all across the street all those kids at Juilliard practicing to try and get into the New York Phil, and then I come home every night practicing to try and get out,
0: <laughs> <laughs> which right. is
2: not to say the New York Phil can't be a great job. I mean, it just right. it really depends on the person. I mean, it's it's not it's about what you want and what kind of musical life you're looking for personally.
1: Yeah, that's that's really good. good advice. At what point did you decide you didn't want to be a lawyer? Like when you ruled that out?
2: I mean, as soon as I got a job. That was a that was a backup plan <laughs> of like if I can't get a job. I mean, I was it's just because it I you know, that was the part of GREs that I scored the best on and I was like I'd probably do a, maybe do okay on the LSATs. So, I mean, I that was just kind of like OK, there ha- I have to have a deadline at some point where I decide I'm going to do something else. I mean, I can't. Um, and that that was just kind of a mental thing. You know, I guess I didn't entirely answer your question going back about, you know, making this judgment. But you have to what I tell my students is. You can't control the outcome of an audition. You know, we Mm -hmm. spend all our time self-focused thinking like, you know, if I only do this and I only do this and I only do this, then I'll win the audition. And that's just not the way auditions run. I mean, the truth is there's that those are the things you can do to maximize your playing and your consistency. But you can't control who else is in your group. Who else is you know? Did you play right after lunch when people have really good concentration? Yeah. Did you play? Did you right. play after this? Already twenty seven people passed into the semifinals, and their standards are getting super tough because they don't want to hurt, pass a twenty eighth person. You know there are so many individual circumstances you can't control. That all you right. can control is are you getting better, and do you keep showing up? I mean those those are the two things that you are in your control: is to keep improving. And to show up so that you create opportunities mm-hmm. for yourself, but of course that has to be balanced, you know, with the long term plan too. But that, I mean, those those are the two checkpoints. I think they should. I always encourage my students to be watching.
1: I think that long term plan is is great to to hear about because, like you said, you felt like if it didn't work out, you'd be fine. I mentioned, and I, I was kind of tongue in cheek, but. You know crushing someone's dreams and telling them look you're not cut out for this like we we know that that's not the job of a teacher any teacher in any area of study but uh, my teacher used to always tell me and i think this was his way of of saying what you're saying is no one's going to take your music away from you so if you want to put together a plan on how you're going to function outside of getting a job in a symphony then that's great that's being a responsible adult and you should do that no one's going to take your your playing away so if it turns out like it did for me like it did for jt that at some point the playing and the serious preparation for auditions kind of tapers off because you're doing other things and you're making a living that's okay too Mm -hmm. and for most people that's going to be what happens because as you mentioned with the numbers the numbers are tough and they don't lie so
2: Yeah. And it's not just about talent. I mean, some of the most talented people I've known are not necessarily the employed ones or the ones that have found the most easy path to employment. I mean, there's a certain kind of mentality that auditions, I think, favor. And so there's, there's so much into it. And I just and and as you guys can kind of attest there's a lot of interesting things you can do in your life in music too that aren't just playing in an orchestra section there's a lot of interesting ways to have a musical life and to do something meaningful and or to have another life and keep music in in your in your yeah. life so there's a lot of different paths um and you just I think you have to be open but I think the most, I mean, it's not our job to say like, oh, you're never going to make it, but it is our job to say, hey, look at this landscape and understand the realities of the numbers. I mean, if I'm coaching, you know, a bunch of uh, Division I basketball players, I also think it's my, you know, it's their responsibility to make sure they get degrees in something, knowing that a lot of them are not going to play in the NBA for, you know, for 20 years.
0: One of the things that that I always thought about when I was uh, trying to really kind of make it, you know, it was when I started becoming a personnel manager, kind of on the side. Um, I thought, well, eventually, it was like, well, how am I best going to serve this, you know, the this industry that we're in? And and for me, it wasn't by playing anymore. You know, I thought for me it was going to be, let me help those that are actually. Doing the work in the grind, and let me help them become become better, and help their lives become easier. So that was the that was my reason, and it's worked out. It's been so far so good, you know. But thank thankfully, I, I was able to to do that because then I got an injury and I I had to stop playing um, for a while. So, but you know, I, you know, we were talking about um in 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 listening to an audition. What is it about someone? What is it? that you hear? Cause I always hear someone saying, well, they had some, they had just had that something special.
2: <sighs> Let me be cynical here for a minute. Please um, do. <laughs> there is, um, because my experience is that there's a lot of revisionist history on committees, um, in the sense that the discussion process, <sighs> everybody on a committee, their colleagues, they have to work together. Mm-hmm. They have to go to work the next morning together. Nobody is going to die on the sword, or almost never is somebody going to die on the sword. Of like, no, this candidate is the right one, and screw you guys. Um, this, <laughs> yeah. this is, this is. I'm not going home. This is not. It's not 12 angry men. There. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's it's people try to come to consensus, and I find during the discussion process, if we had a you know a slight difference between two candidates often that by the end of the discussion process, one of those candidates was amazing and the other one was, nah, not really. Um, it, dis- it becomes a little bit amplified and there's a mm-hmm. little bit of revision in terms of like, you know, you're, so you're here after, oh, this person was amazing and they played a perfect audition. Well, okay, you know, bull. I've never heard a perfect audition.
0: Right, what is a perfect audition? And how, how do you quantify that?
2: Yeah, I mean, you, there, there's no such, I mean, what is perfect in music anyway? It doesn't- It's it doesn't, all arbitrary. Yeah, it doesn't mean something. I mean, it uh, they didn't commit any errors, maybe. But, you know, honestly, people, everybody, p- don't think that perfection is the way to getting hired. It's not. I mean, but, okay, having said that, somebody who's both polished and exciting musically um, somebody who's just like, where you're just like, wow, I can't believe this person wants to be in our orchestra. Mm-hmm. Then, yeah, that's a that's a great audition. And we have had those things where it's like, wow, this is, you know, I would feel what a privilege to go to work next to this person. But the thing about the audition process is we like to pretend like it's very clean and very scientific and that, you know, okay, well, this one was an 8.9 and this one was an eight. Point zero, but it, this is not like the this is not like the hundred meter uh, sprint. Uh-huh. This is where you know you measure. Or this one is a couple of hundredths of second faster. This is more like gymnastics or something where there's a very, you know, every judge has their own somewhat subjective criteria. And yep. really, honestly, what it is it's like you're given a bowl of fruit and you're like, okay, here's a banana, an apple, an orange, a pear. Rank them. Yeah, and, and you're like, well, what, what, how, only one of these can go on to the next round. It's like, well, I like this about the banana, and I like this about the orange, <laughs> and I like this about the apple, and the, uh, they they all have good and bad qualities. And I mean, past a certain, okay, there's like a certain amount, you know, it's 20% maybe that it's like easy to say, like, okay, that's not gonna work. Yeah. But there's a vast, and then there's like, you know, 20% where it's like, okay, they're a great player, that's easy. But there's a vast middle ground where it's like, this person is very good, but, or, you know, I really like this, but, and it's not, it's not a clear cut process. It's Mm -hmm. a, it's very difficult. And that's why you both have to keep improving, but you also have to keep showing up.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's great to hear. And, and I, I love to hear it. When we have um, our guests on that, that that say, you know, you're not going to get cut if you make a mistake. Keep going. Keep going. Keep, you know, just let them know that, that okay, well, yeah, I made a mistake, but here's what else. I, I can improve. I can do this. At New World, fellows come back from an audition, and I was like, oh, hey, how did it go? I got cut after the first round. Oh, no, what happened? Well, I missed a note. Well, no, probably not because of that, (laughs) but maybe because you missed a note and then you had this soul-crushing moment where you couldn't continue.
2: You're 100% correct on this, and this is my own experience, my own lived experience, and from my students and from listening on audition panels, the reason you think you got cut is not the reason you got (laughs) cut. I mean, it's almost never, you know, we all think, oh, I just missed that shift. No, no. Nobody, I mean, if you, if you miss every shift, (laughs) then yeah. But if you miss one shift, I mean, we literally don't even think about it. It's like, okay, I, you know, so, so what it's, so people go home and they're thinking like, oh, you know, I played this note out of tune and it's actually, well, no, you were rushing everywhere or, you know, like you didn't vibrate somewhere. It's different things than we think it is. Uh, Almost always. Honestly, some of the best auditions I've played have been the ones where I went in and screwed up early and then I'm then there's this incredible weight that lifts off you like oh I'm I'm dead anyway I may as yeah. well play and enjoy music I may <laughs> as well try and, try and make some pretty sounds before I leave the stage right
0: do you think though like I mean because again like people were like oh they asked me to do something over again and I knew that it, that it, I was done but I, in my opinion and I from what I've what I've heard from other people is that when you when uh, when uh, someone gets asked to do something again it's because they are the panel is interested in hearing them
2: maybe to do something different try it different see what they can do. Committee time is precious. Um, yeah. We're always up against the clock. And um, if somebody cuts you without hearing all the excerpts, okay, that could be a bad sign yes. that that yeah. could be telling you, um, it, unless they're doing that for everybody. It could also mean that they're like decided that the, li- the list was too long, but you know, that sometimes, okay, then you have to figure out if you're getting cut after three excerpts and everybody else is playing six, yeah. Then you have to figure out, okay, what signals I sent out? Some bad signals uh, in my playing in those three excerpts. I need to figure out what that is. Somebody is willing to spend committee time to ask you to play something again. They are being your advocate. They yeah. are they are saying, "Hey, I hear something really I really like in your playing, and this issue is going to get you cut. Otherwise, I'm trying to save you." Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that's literally what it is. They're advocating for you. you should that's the best sign but then the one thing is really really try to do what they're saying yeah. even if you exaggerate it because sometimes they try to save someone and they do the same thing 3 times in a row then you're like oh, okay I give up
0: yeah for sure you talked about how you took a bunch of auditions in between you know San Diego and then Fort Worth and New York what did you do in in those auditions that you didn't win how do you how do you cope with that because it is very difficult to get a rejection. You want you, Nobody wants to be rejected. You want to be included. And so how did, you, how
2: did you deal with those kind of losses? You have to accept them for what they are. You have to understand that, no, it's not. It's not like every audition is rigged against you. It's not that Man. there's some vast conspiracy. <laughs> At the same time, it's not saying that you're worthless as a cellist. I mean, I can tell you, I don't think there's anyone in any big position out there these days that hasn't lost a bunch of auditions. So, I mean, you can't tell me that these people who are principal of yada, yada and yada, yada, these, mm-hmm. all these orchestras that are now going out and giving a audition advice. You can't tell me that they're so terrible on one day and great on another day. It's something about the process, but it's a learning process. Look, rejection is how we learn. Failure does not destroy musicians yeah. really success is more dangerous to musicians than failure in a way because you assume that what you did, oh, this is great and I don't need to question yourself, but failure makes us question ourselves Uh and it makes us come back and say, okay, what can I do better? But you have to have the attitude that you can do better. You you know, it was an interesting survey of first year NFL drafts Mm -hmm. and who was successful and who was not based on their statistics. And they also would delve kind of into their mental attitude, and a lot of it had not to do with their actual statistics, but the players who had the mental attitude of, I, okay, I screwed this up, I'll do better next yeah. time, yeah. were the ones who ultimately prevailed, because if you, if you think that because you did something wrong, it's therefore it means you will always do something wrong, that's the kind of mental attitude that's really crushing. You have to have the idea that you can get better and you have to be devoted to the idea of getting better.
0: Yeah. And that's, I think that's key, right? Is that you have to be, you have to be vulnerable enough to go back and say, okay, what is it about what I just did that I need to improve on? All right. And that's a hard thing to do, to be introspective, to look at it and say, I need, there's, something's not working. What is it? And then, you know, kind of
2: unpack that, 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 that baggage and and see what it is. It is, it is crushing, but you know, um, it's also, I wish that people auditioning could have the experience of sitting on the other side of the committee, Mm -hmm. because you also begin to realize that it's not as deep a judgment as you think it is. It's Mm -hmm. a judgment, you know, if you, okay, you, you know, you played something out of tune in those. 35 seconds of or you know in those five minutes you made some mistakes it that's not a judgment on your potential on your artistry on any of that it's a judgment on those five minutes and your goal is can you improve those five minutes yeah
0: you know so i talked about um your posts on facebook if you don't mind i'd love to read it because i think it's so important you actually posted it twice that i looked i mean I, i did some some deep research on, on this <laughs> so uh, you said on on may 14th 20, 2018 and then again almost a year and a half later september 22nd 2019 here's the post it's, you said we start three days of cello auditions today i have more students and friends taking part in the process than i care to think about the audition process is not designed to advance the best musician or even the best instrumentalists At its best, it only advances the people who played the best audition at that particular moment with that particular repertoire. This is not sports. Having to order different musicians with different strengths and weaknesses numerically is like being asked to rank a bowl of fruit. Choosing a new colleague this way is like choosing a spouse through an evening of two-minute speed dates while wearing a blindfold. It's the worst system except for all others, and it is painful and somewhat soul-crushing to take part in it on either side. It is inevitable that some great qualified cellists who have invested their hours, their money, and their souls to play for us will be sent home discouraged and unhappy. It takes incredible bravery to take part in this system, and every player who does has my respect and gratitude. Remember the words of Kipling, triumph and disaster are both imposters. We need jobs, of course, and and have to do what it takes until we find one, but we didn't go into music to find a job. We went into music because of what it means to us in the world." Guard and protect that belief and that passion. Remember why you play and never stop learning or trying to improve, even if you win. Many musicians are destroyed by success, but no one is destroyed by failure. If there is any lesson to my own career, it is that every failure is temporary. Play without regrets. Play music. We are rooting for you. That's amazing. That is, like, seriously one of the best posts I've ever read, and I, I remember reading it for the first time, and I, I think it's it's important to hear that someone in your position you know as a principal who is who is behind the screen Listening to these candidates is is of this mind in that you're not the only one. It is we, people are rooting for you. You want to find a call. You don't want to you don't want to do these auditions all the time. You want to find the best candidate, and you are everyone behind that screen is is rooting for those people playing.
2: We really are. I mean, no, you can imagine what it's like to sit there. You want to get excited about yeah. a player. You hear someone with some qualities you like, and you you want them to do well. Besides the fact that there's always people we know when mm-hmm. we don't know who they are when they're playing but you know we it's such a tough process and just even for uh, just even the sympathy for fellow cellists for fellow instrumentalists who have to go through this process because it is a really tough process yeah. and at the best you know you have a 100 people show up at the best one of them at the end is happy Yep. and Everybody else, it, are there 99 other losers? No. I mean, it. that, that doesn't right. mean anything. It, It's a, just like a competition, it is a path in your career. It's an obstacle. It's something you can learn, you can use to better yourself. But understand that we know how difficult a process this is.
0: You went through it yourself.
2: Yeah. I mean, we know that the fact that you get cut in the first round doesn't mean you're not a worthy player, um, because we've, you know, most of us, it's a lived experience at this point. Yeah. I mean, sure. and the level is higher than it's ever been. The level is unforgiving and the process is about finding reasons to eliminate people in the beginning, because mm-hmm. it has to be because you have, you know, 60 to hundred people and you have to somehow narrow that down to 10 people to five people. So the only fair way to do that is to say, well, okay, this person, you know, intonation and rhythm are much less subjective than other things. So they become right. kind of the, the benchmark for the early yep. rounds. But it means something in terms of the audition, but it doesn't mean something in terms of your life and music, other than if you happen to win a job.
1: Yeah. I dug in a long time ago about not joining Facebook. But if uh, that's the kind of content that I was getting on Facebook, I would I would have reconsidered. That was really, really beautiful. And uh, I see that you're a man of exquisite taste. There's two things I noticed. Are those uh, Sennheiser headphones? Yeah. Okay. And then also, you're the first other person I've met that has an Ember mug. I got mine for Christmas. I
2: was thinking I should get the Latte Larry's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: If you're not uh, familiar, the Ember Mug is a—it's like a smart mug for your coffee that keeps your beverage at the proper temperature.
0: Oh my God! Yeah, I was yeah. noticing yours because you—you've got a—you've got a travel mug, right? I got
1: the travel one, yeah, because yeah. I'm on the move, man.
0: You well, yeah, we, yeah, we all know that. You're—you you're know a that mover and a shaker. We, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so like, actually, you know, for, for those of you listening, check out Brinton's uh, Facebook page, but also check out his his website, brentonavrilsmith.com. Um, and I'm. I'm also. I was sorry to hear about your dog, um, Kaya. Yeah, but yeah, that was that. Her, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. It's always so tough.
0: Yeah, and um, had, did and I also read though you had two opossums. Did one of them really get hit by a car?
2: Yeah, I buried uh, buried an opossum this month too. Oh my god! Um, though they they weren't exactly mine. I was just feeding them. Yeah, they
0: were very <laughs> cute though. So what's next for for Houston Symphony for you guys? Because it's obviously been. Uh, When was the last audition you guys had?
2: I mean, it would have to be pre-pandemic. I think we did something in January or February. I think it was a wind audition.
0: Okay.
2: And it's interesting. We don't use mixed committees in Fort Worth and some people uh, in in Houston. Some people feel, um, some people prefer them. Some people don't. For me, I feel uncomfortable sitting on like a woodwind or a brass committee sometimes. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can... I hear something in terms of general musicianship, but I mean, the, it's so nuanced yeah. and so difficult that I, I would prefer that the people making that decision are people who really know the intru- mm-hmm. intricacies of the instrument. Um, but this is a very difficult time because we, yeah, we had our last audition probably January and we're, we're a year later yeah. and we're still probably not looking at having auditions for another year.
0: Have you talked about any sort of virtual auditions, like doing like um, like first round, doing it um, like just audio kind of audio file, and then and then uh, choosing a, a second round people for for live interviews or anything like that? Has that been discussed?
2: Honestly, this is this is what this would be my dream. If there's one thing I'd like to change in the orchestra industry, it's this the way auditions are conducted. If you mm-hmm. imagine, like for a cellist, it's two plane tickets, yep. hotel. Yep probably rental car or some kind of ground transportation, you spend close to $1,000 to play Mm -hmm. for five minutes for most of them. I mean, at least half the people are going to. And why? I mean, because (laughs) why with the technology that we have, with, with, with what we've seen that we can do now? Okay. So there has to be a fair way to make sure that people are not editing their recordings, you know, to make sure that it's a representative right. live sample. But why couldn't we, for example, have every union local have like a same setup of the same microphone, the same placement, and you can go to your local union office and oh, record an audition or something like that. Some yeah. kind of standards where you where you play live with a certain setup and they record it and then because the other thing is there's fatigue that it, on a committee when you're hearing your 50th 60th audition you know this i mean if you're personnel managing days you know what it's i mm-hmm. mean the committee's you're dragging and you don't have your best ears if we could hear 20 30 auditions you know or stop everybody listens to the auditions they stop when they're tired they come back and or even to be able to back up a recording and like you know i thought i heard i mean because i've had instances where someone asked me like, what, what, what happened in La Mer? And it's like, I'm sorry, I was coughing during your La Mer and the (laughs) excerpt lasts 22 seconds. And so I heard like 11 seconds of your, you know, to be able to back up, to be able to compare, this is a more rational fair way to do things. Then you get down to maybe 20 semifinals, you bring them in and you spend time with them. You know, every one of them, you let, if they screw something up, could you play that again? Could you do that, um, you know, or I don't, you know, express, I didn't like the way they did this. Could you do it this way? Because ultimately, flexibility matters way more in for what we're actually doing in the job than just perfection. Yeah. Like, I can play it this way, but I can only play it this way. That's not what we're looking for. No. Yeah. We need, yeah, we need, as you know, in the orchestra, we need people who can say, okay, now this, this conductor asked for it off the string. Exactly. This, this, now this conductor, this, we need, flexibility is more important and that's not really tested for mm-hmm. in the audition process. So this process, honestly, I believe needs to reform and use technology in a way that wastes a lot less money, of the candidates because that's part of why people run out of their kind of time and ability to take auditions is that they just exhaust their funds
0: well sure and 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 also though i think though i don't i don't want to cut you off because i think this is really important is that you know it's it's uh it also allows more access more people to to take the audition that couldn't normally afford to go there exactly and so you know I, i don't know i I actually never thought about that, though, but I think it's a great idea. Go to your local have like in in every place, have a place to, that they can go. They can just drive there, you know, and and they have they have a good setup. they have a good whatever and and you know, and and make a recording that way because my thought was it's an investment. You got to invest in a good microphone, just like you invest in a good instrument, you know, you want to sound your best. I really do think that that this could be the next step of taking auditions because like you said, we have the technology to do it, you know, and and if not everybody has the exact same microphone or things like that. Okay. But you know, you want to have those people that are, that are invested in, in, in wanting to, to succeed.
2: A great microphone doesn't cost more than a couple of plane tickets anyway. Oh, God, I mean, no. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, and then you have it. I mean, even the, even the platform we're using right now, could be used for something like yep. this. Is he explaining yeah. to me how this, um, so that it you could get a complete sound file so that you can watch someone play live from wherever they are mm-hmm. and record that sound file and have it later for the committee. There are ways to, I think, vastly improve this process that will allow access for a lot more people. For instance, yep. sometimes we get resumes from South America and you have to make a judgment call of, you know, do I want it, does this seem likely enough that they would get past that we are going to let them spend twelve hundred dollars to get here, or are we doing them a favor by not inviting them? You wouldn't have to make those kinds of decisions. You wouldn't decisions.
0: have to. Yeah, exactly. No, I think it's, and I, I've talked to some some other people about it, and there are a lot of orchestras I think that are, are reluctant to do it. Um, they just no, we have to. We, it has to be live all the time. And I push I'm like, well, but why? Well, because I, it just does. Okay, but that's not an answer, right? Really, give me an answer why it has to be live. Oh, because the sound quality is better. But like you said, you know, if there is a place where they could go and have everybody, you know, you have the same kind of thing. I think it's yeah. Uh, and this is
2: just for the prelims. I mean, what yeah, are just the, for the prelims? Right. Anyway, the prelims are you know basic level of mastery of the instrument, rhythm, intonation, all just basics. I mean, these are not things that I need. I don't need to hear how their instrument sounds in the hall. Just to just right. to know whether I'm going to pass someone on to the next round, right?
0: Like you said, you have the object, objectionable, you know, rhythm, uh, intonation, you know, those kind of things where you can you can actually tell. Okay, well, this person, I I want to hear a little bit more of, from them, or or not, you know.
2: And it would also save us from having to screen resumes, which is kind of another heartbreaking <sighs> yeah. part of it, where you have to, you know, somebody could be a great player and they the resume doesn't reflect that kind of experience. And so you have to tell them, no, you can't have an audition because we only have this long to hear people. We only have this many slots. It could fix a lot of the parts in the process. I hope when we start up post pandemic, that this will be one lesson we learned from all the remote technology Mm -hmm. that we've been exploring from this because it bothers me. I mean, every time I have to, and I, I always try not to cut people off early because I just, I think to hear less than five minutes from someone who's just flown across the country to play for you is just ridiculous anyway. But it it just, it just breaks your, the whole process is frustrating and this would make it better for the committee and I think fairer and ultimately I hope this is the way we go.
0: Yeah. Well, Brinton, I want to thank you for for being on today. I know I know you got to run. You've got a concert this afternoon. Yeah,
2: got a concert lesson. Um, yada yada.
0: Yeah, but it was really great to talk to you and uh, and to pick your brain about this because you are definitely an advocate for for those people out there taking auditions, and it's good for them to hear. It's not people sitting behind, you know, doing the uh, the, the gladiator style thumb up, thumb down, you know, kind of thing. The people behind the screen are rooting for you, and I and I think it's important for for
2: everyone listening to hear that. People like me are the rule much more than the exception. I mean, yeah. we've all been there, we're all musicians. We all know what this process is and we don't like saying no to people. It's, it's an unpleasant process, but we want, you know that there is, you know, you can get better and mm-hmm. you can, and you, but also know that your result on a given day reflects a lot of things beyond your own performance too i mean there's you know it's one thing we didn't talk about is you know the who in the little group of five or six you between votes i mean that that matters too you know where where you play in the day there's all kinds of things so we'll we'll have you
0: back you we'll 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 have you back we'll talk more about that yeah when (laughs) when we when we have more time but but again uh yeah thank you so much for being here Again, go go to go to Brinton's website, brintonavrilsmith dot You got some beautiful recordings on there, um, and check out your Facebook page. Um, what you got? Anything else you want to plug?
2: There's a ton of stuff on my YouTube channel. Uh, Bat cello, not B A D B A T cello. The, the consonant is the consonant is debatable. Let's be clear, <laughs> uh, but. <laughs> Yeah, Batcello at YouTube, because all my friends call me Batman since I was 20. I
0: don't... Uh, again, another story for another time. Yeah, we'll exactly, we definitely exactly. want to have you back. That sounds interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, everybody, thank you so much for, for listening and subscribing. Brinton, thank you for being on the show. And, uh, you know, it's great to see you. Um, I'm sure I'll, I'll see you uh, on Zoom soon enough, um, coaching our, our New World Symphony uh, fellows. But have a great concert.
2: Great to see you guys, have a good day.